Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's late. Not sure how many of you will be tuning into this live, but it doesn't matter because the Cincinnati Bengals are now three and one kicking off week four with a big thrilling win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't something that was easy, but the Cincinnati Bengals got the job done on a short week. A lot of injuries, both coming into this game and unfortunately in the game. A lot of injuries, and they got they got done what they needed to get done, and they now sit alone as of right now on top of the AFC North at three and one. I'm Anthony Gazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider coming at you late night for joining us live because hey, you know we got to do a little post game wrap up. Some of you may be listening to this tomorrow. Some of you may be listening to this now as you maybe hit. Some some stuff uh, going on around downtown Cincinnati after the game. Maybe you were there. If you were at the game, hey, shoot us a comment here. I want to I want to hear what the experience was like because I was there week one and that experience was incredible. This one seemed like it was at the same level, if not even higher, for a number of different reasons. You got to be happy for a number of different people associated with the Cincinnati Bengals going all the way up to ownership the Blackburns and everything that that they did this year to really get behind this ring of honor. Those inductees in the ring of honor, it being a very special night there, it didn't seem like it. Maybe at halftime when all this stuff was going on, the Bengals were down 14-0, not playing very well and getting booed in their own stadium. But the... Hey, the Bengals did what they needed to do. They came back in dramatic fashion and beat a team that they needed to beat to continue their really special season. You got to feel good about the Ring of Honor inductees. You got to feel good about the ownership and and just the special night they had planned for everybody. You got to feel good about a lot of different, uh, you know, Bengals folks that are high profile, whether they're, you know, big fans, they do the podcasting, all that kind of stuff. A lot of friends from afar that I have that do the podcasting thing, the writing thing and do it very, very well that we're on hand for this game to go good because a lot of them traveled from very far distances to be at that game and witness a great win. And you got to feel good about the Bengals players. You got to feel good about Zach Taylor getting that win. We're going to get to some stats, box score, all the stuff that we usually get to, but there's a couple of other little things that I wanted to also bring up before we get to that to 
I don't know, I guess remind everybody where we're at, remind people, you know, some of the, some of the contributions that we're seeing tonight, you know, they came from players that you didn't really expect them to per se. And, or it, it's always kind of good to look back in a little bit of the rear view mirror to see kind of how, where we're at with some things and why some of these players mean what they mean to Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals. So Look, you got to feel good about a lot of different folks tonight, a lot of different players, a lot of different fans, and and the organization. It's just a great, great evening. And uh, the Bengals come out on top of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 24-21. to 21. Now, there are both a lot of questions about the Cincinnati Bengals and a lot of good feelings about the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, the good feelings outweigh the questions, but – to sit here and say, you know, this has been, we, this is what we wanted as Bengals fans. And, and this is what the team would have. I mean, preferably, obviously a four and start was what they wanted, but Hey, three and one, the only loss that they have was out of conference. That still is a game. They were four points away from winning. They lost by three. So, you know, you kind of feel a little bit, robbed i guess in some sense that the fact did not the Bengals did not get to four and oh but three and one that's where they sit right now you have to like what you've seen from this team for the most part i would say the biggest question right now the the Bengals with all of their offensive weapons and and all the things that they can do on offense they still have not scored more than 27 points in a game and the 27 points they scored was with a full quarter, an extra quarter of overtime. Still, 27 points, that's respectable. Um, you know, you had 24 in, in back-to-back weeks here against the Steelers and Jaguars, respectively. You had 17 against the Bears, and that was a game that you feel like you could have won, if not for your own errors. But, hey, we have to really like what the Bengals are, are doing, the resiliency, the comeback from Joe Burrow, the and not just the comeback from Joe Burrow in this game specifically, the comeback from Joe Burrow from what happened last year and his mental fortitude that has obviously bled over into every aspect of this team. Because the Bengals in week one, before we get to everything in, in this game, the Bengals in week one had a big lead, let it evaporate, come back in the, the fifth quarter in overtime at the last second drive down with some some great plays, audibles by Joe Burrow, et cetera, and a timely field goal by Evan McPherson get the win. Week two slipped through their fingers. Even so, Joe Burrow kind of rallied the troops late. The defense made some plays late, almost had that one back in their grasp. Week three, the team kind of had control through the game throughout the entire game against the Steelers. This one ugly from the start and it wasn't ugly necessarily there were some penalties there were some you know some other things that wasn't ugly from the standpoint of turnovers this was an ugly one from a an inability to move the ball on offense sort of but you know they moved the ball on their initial drive missed the field goal Evan McPherson's first miss we'll talk about that in a second then you have the, the inability from there of the defense, they obviously were gassed and were missing some critical pieces in their defense. But, you know, short week, 
and I think a bit more higher quality opponent than most people would give the Jacksonville Jaguars credit for still missing some pieces and it showed, it showed this week and it, it, they, they stepped up at certain points. The defense did when they needed to in this one, namely in the goal line stand at the end of the first half, namely in the second half, but the, but the offense and, and Joe Burrow and, and, a lot of other people stepped up to take this game kind of by its haunches and say, you know, we're not going to let this one get through our grasp. We're going to take over this game. We're going to make sure that this ends up being a win for us, a a game that they should have had. And I hope none of you bet (laughs) took the bangles and the points there because uh, that was, that was a precarious one. I will say, Quite admittedly, I did take the Bengals in my survival pool this week, and uh, I was displeased for a little while on a number of fronts on on Thursday evening. But look, uh, the Bengals did their thing, and Joe Burrow did his thing, and it is very, very clear that the resiliency and the talent is is there. Um, but the resiliency and the fact that team that this team has a, a bit of the clutch gene and and that is what Joe Burrow brings from the quarterback position and it, it bleeds through the entire team and uh, you're, you're seeing them step up even when they don't play a perfect game you're seeing them step up and do things to win games do things the right way to win games now um, you know, I, I mentioned a, a little bit of the point scoring and that sort of thing that's you know that that's probably a weak, uh, you know, a weak criticism of this team. Uh, the other thing, I guess, if you really want to be critical of the uh, of the Bengals, which I don't think we should be really, but, you know, if, if we're going to ask questions is, you know, you've got Minnesota who's one and two, you've got Pittsburgh who's one and two. They lost to a now one and two Chicago Bears team and they beat a an 0-4 Jacksonville team. But the point is they're winning. And they're beating the teams that are in front of them. And you have to give them credit for that, regardless of who's on the schedule. You got to beat who's on the schedule. And you have to do it, whether it's with, uh, you know, by blowout or by barely beating a team. You have to be able to do that. And the Bengals have had a little bit of both at this point in time. They're three and one, could be four and oh. A, a really good start for the Cincinnati Bengals. I want to, I want to say this. There, there are a couple of, uh, a couple of, Comments I want to get to Jeremiah Coble on Facebook saying the house was packed tonight. Awesome to see. Yeah, it was loud from what I could tell. I was super bummed. I could not make it out there this week. Had a great time week one, met a lot of folks and whatnot. And it was great to meet everybody. Tried to make it back again. It was just a little too difficult based on where I reside and other other elements uh, going along with that. But hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad everybody had a great time. It sounded like it was an awesome experience. So that is, uh, you know, I'm really happy to, to see and hear all the sights and sounds that I have from a lot of you out there. Uh, I, I'm seeing uh, some other things. They did what they had to do, but yeah, it wasn't pretty here by T. Martin. Um, you know, I, this was an interesting one. We'll talk about this a little bit uh, by Zaza Morant here. Von Bell hold messed us up and it erased the the sack that should have been 20 to 21. Yeah. But you know, I think you're seeing, I, I think tonight was also a lesson in a couple of things. It's a lesson of how valuable 
Shadobi Awuzie is. It's a lesson in how valuable Jesse Bates is to that secondary and that defense in general. Uh, I, I think even with Jamar Chase and CJ Uzama having great games, I think you miss T. Higgins in certain aspects. Tyler Boyd had a great game. I think you're missing T. Higgins, and, and obviously that offense is just incredibly dynamic with the three wide receivers that they can can employ out there. So this is this is still not even a complete roster at this point. Trey Wayne's coming out and starting the first night. You didn't hear his name called a lot, which is I guess a good thing in a lot of ways. But you know when you have him back in full swing of things, and you have a Woozie back out there, you get Bates back out there. Uh, you know things are going to look a little different. Hey, I, I want to get to a couple of different things before we get to the box score here. Of course, I, some some of the tweets that this guy puts out, and he's a friend of our shows, and we we really like Ben Baby of ESPN. But uh, this is just a really great tweet that I had to share in case you hadn't seen it. Uh, via ESPN stats and info, Joe Burrow's 348 passing yards are the second most by a Bengals quarterback without an interception in prime time, trailing only Ken Anderson's 447 on November 17th, 1975 against the Bills. Anderson was in the building tonight as he was inducted in the ring of honor. I mean... I, I maybe should have saved that for the end. I mean, that was just an incredible tweet and an incredible statistic that, I, you know, I, it, it renders you speechless a little bit because of the emotion of the night and everything else that goes into that. Just a great, great piece of information relayed to us by Ben Baby of ESPN. Another another one that uh, I thought was was pretty interesting was the <laughs> this is from one of my one of my growing favorite twitter follows andrew russell who does a lot of pff stuff and he's at pff underscore andrew r we got to get him on the show at some point the Bengals threw the ball on 50 per 53 percent of early first and second downs tonight why is that significant well, I'll share another graphic with you because going into this game, the Bengals were a very conservative offense in that regard. Here's early down pass rate in 2021. The Bills up there at the top. And here are the Bengals at the very, very bottom. Very bottom going into this week. So that's why this is a... a you know, the 53% throwing on first and second down is something to, to note. It also is something to note that because the Bengals played from behind the entire game, did not have the lead the entire game. So until the very end, obviously. So that is something that goes into that as well. Just a couple of interesting stats there that I wanted to relay to all of you. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider. We've got a high number of, of listeners tuning into our live show, which is awesome because it's almost 11 my time on the West Coast. So that would mean what? It's almost 2 a.m. for some of you on the East Coast and anywhere in between elsewhere. I don't know. Appreciate you tuning in live. This was a big win for the Cincinnati Bengals and one, not just a win for, for the win and loss column, but obviously everything else 
that was happening on in Cincinnati this entire week. And for this game, the Ring of Honor inductees, the 1981 AFC Championship team that was honored, and of course, a lot of different folks in from out of town to witness this game and, and out and about doing a lot of different things. So if you were there, that's, that's, I, I envy you, but uh, please definitely relay some of your experiences this week and at the game, we would love to hear more about it. One other thing I want to share before we get to the box score that in, in kind of a tale of the tape, I stumbled across this because I began to think about you know, this, this great night from CJ Ozama and what a cool 180 it has been for him. You know, week two last year, the Bengals lose this heartbreaker to Cleveland, a shootout, and CJ Ozama tears his Achilles tendon in that game. And you kind of wondered, what would he be like upon return? What, what would he be able to do? Uh, we didn't, you know, you don't want to ever say like, oh, that's career ending, but you know, that's a tough, tough injury to come back from. A little over a year later, Uzama's back with the team on Thursday Night Football once again and has a career day, two touchdowns, numerous clutch catches. And really, you could argue that C.J. Uzama has two, you know, I know that Jamar Chase, big touchdown catches and all of that. There are arguments to be made that C.J. Uzama has two of the biggest catches of the Bengals season thus far. In week one and week four, you can make that argument. I love what Jamar Chase has done. I love the long touchdowns, all of that. And yeah, that's probably where most people would point to in terms of biggest plays by the Bengals offense this year. But if you go to a couple of the biggest catches this year, C.G. Uzama, between tonight's game against the Jaguars and week one's overtime catch against the Vikings, two of the biggest catches so far this year. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the Bengals roster and you look at how Zach Taylor has constructed this team and how very few holdovers from the Marvin Lewis era there are on this roster. Hell, this year they had Giovanni Bernard and everybody thought, eh, maybe he'll be traded, but I, I think he's going to stick around. I, I thought that. And then they ended up letting him go because they requested a pay cut. He didn't want to take it, so he got cut and then landed with Tampa Bay, a great situation for him. One of the very few Marvin Lewis holdovers to date is C.J. Ozama. And if you saw, I'm not going to play it, but if you go to the Bengals Twitter account, or you go to Bengals.com, Zach Taylor was given out game balls, and he gave one to C.J. Uzama. C.J. Uzama, you know, was was gracious and, and obviously a bit emotional. I think I had read somewhere that he gave it to Nick Cosgray, the – the rehab and athletic trainer of the Bengals, you know, uh, because of all the things that they had to do to get him back and ready to go. Regardless, I, I went back in time a little bit and I'm going to share this article on cincyjungle.com. This is from, and this is from my colleague, John Sheeran. Look at the date, March 11th, 2019, shortly before, or, you know, right around the legal tampering part of free agency. And when when teams can obviously talk to their own impending unrestricted free agents and everything, it was a weird offseason for Zach Taylor that year. Got a late start, didn't really have a, a good grasp of the players he had on the Bengals. Obviously, you know, he the late start came from him 
coaching in the Super Bowl that year and and all of that. This was a guy, CJ Uzama, that Zach Taylor and his coaching staff said, we got to get this guy locked up. Duke Tobin said, we got to get this guy locked up. And there were some mixed results in terms of, you know, he was always a project guy was CJ Uzama in terms of the fact that he didn't really have a lot of college production, didn't even have a tight ends position coach at Auburn at the time when he played there, ended up making some nice plays in the pros, turning into a nice player for the Bengals, but had some injury stuff, a little bit of inconsistencies. Obviously the Bengals were in a whole kind of different situation back when he was a young player with them and they signed him to a three-year deal back in 2019. Now, unfortunately, like I said, pretty much all of last year was wiped out. But this resonated with me tonight because of the performance that C.J. Uzama had. And when you saw Zach Taylor give the game ball, and you can find that footage in a lot of different spots, when you saw him give the game ball to C.J. Uzama, there was emotion on both sides and all kinds of happiness on both sides. But this kind of brought me back here where it was – hey, this is a guy we need to have here for what we're building. Um, And I assume that that was part of the conversation with Zach Taylor, and that's why he is one of the very few holdovers. And that's why the Bengals have not invested heavily in the tight end position since Zach Taylor got got here, one of the reasons. So this is a – and you can go back, and he is the first unrestricted free agent from that year. I'll put the – link in the live chat here for you but if you see this here here's here's the the line right here Uzama is the first of Cincinnati's unrestricted free agents to re-sign with the team back in 2019 so kudos to him kudos to the Bengals and uh I I just wanted to take a trip down memory memory lane so to speak with that in that there is a reason that C.J. Uzama is one of the only Marvin Lewis holdovers. There is a reason that he was one of the very first, really the first unrestricted in-house free agents that the Bengals wanted to keep when Zach Taylor took over this team as head coach. So I, I went back there tonight and, uh, you know, hopefully that kind of brings things a little bit of full slur- circle. Let's do a couple of things on the, on the box score and uh, show you some some things there, kind of a tale of the tape. But before we do, we got you know we got to talk about it. we got to talk about symbol. And every week I bring this up. I feel like there is an opportunity, and every week that the Bengals win, and every week that their record improves, is a I don't want to I don't want to gloat or I don't want to you know rub it in your guys' face here, but that is an opportunity for you that you could have had to invest in the Bengals with Symbol and make some money on the team in which we are all passionate about. S-I-M-B-U-L-L and the website, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I. You can go there and invest in teams, whether it is the Cincinnati Bengals or others, like they are stocks. You can buy shares of them. You can sell them off either short-term. You can hang on to them for a long-term play and then sell them off and potentially make some money. But whether it's in the NFL, whether it's the Cincinnati Bengals or not, but whether it's in the NFL, whether it's in college football or other sports, you can use Symbol and invest in teams and make money on them. 
go to Symbol and use the promo code OBI where you get a free week of Symbol Gold when you sign up and deposit some money to buy some shares. Check it out, Symbol. We are so stoked to continue to partner with them. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's roll on to the box score, just kind of give you a little tail of the tape. And I've been kind of liking the ESPN one as of late because it gives some form of an idea. But look, here, here's the quarterback comparison right at the top on the uh, top center left there between Jacksonville and Cincinnati. Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. I'll do a, a full screen for you folks there. Um, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. Look, Trevor Lawrence did a lot of things to improve upon his numbers and to improve upon things that he had been struggling with to potentially get his team a win. Now, he didn't throw a touchdown. He ran for one. No interceptions. First time he could say that this entire year. No fumbles. So no turnovers from from Lawrence. Only seven missed passes. A higher average than he had been showing throughout much of this season here only one sack and an overall rating of 96.5. So yeah, you would have liked to seen him throw some touchdowns or whatever, but he had a couple of timely throws. He kind of did a little bit more of a controlled passing game. A lot. They asked a lot of them with his legs. You see there a little bit lower eight rushes, 36 yards for a four and a half yards per carry. A very frustrating. If you're the Bengals defense, a frustrating approach and an effective one by Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Eight rushes, 36 yards, four and a half yards per carry, and the one touchdown on the ground. James Robinson just kind of was hammering the Bengals' defense and taking advantage of them being a bit fatigued potentially from that Pittsburgh game, 18 carries, 78 yards, over four yards per carry, and two touchdowns on the ground for James Robinson. Good night, for him and uh, really a a decent night for Lawrence. Nothing that was explosive, but there were a couple of wow throws that Lawrence made, particularly to the one on the left sideline to Jamal Agnew and, and great footwork by Agnew to keep him bounds there. But, you know, some nice throws there and Chenault, LaVisca Chenault had a couple of nice plays for them, but it just wasn't enough. It wasn't as explosive enough to keep the Bengals 
from out of the wind column and Joe Burrow. This was the Joe Burrow show. 25 of 32. 348 yards. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero fumbles. Only one sack this evening, folks. And a quarterback rating, uh, a total rating of 132.8. So a very, very productive night from Joe Burrow. Uh, I believe that puts him at this point, if I'm doing the math correctly, nine touchdowns, four interception uh, passing this year, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, good night from him. Mixon, you know, had a couple of nice runs, but they had to abandon it a little earlier than, than they would have liked. However, when they were starting to kind of gain control of the game, in the second half, they leaned on him a bit in the third quarter. He had to leave late uh, with a with an apparent ankle injury. 16 carries, 67 yards, a 4.2 yards per carry average, one touchdown. Still, the, the not the big big runs. You know, the only the longest run of the evening was 11 yards for him. So, not the gigantic runs that you know we have we've become accustomed to. And not the ones that, uh, you know, we've seen him make potentially against other teams that, you know, you kind of felt that he would be able to take advantage of this. We kind of all felt that this was going to be a good night potentially for Mixon and the uh, Mixon and the run offense, particularly short week, the whole deal. You kind of felt that he was going to be their workhorse this week. Uh, I want to share this with you folks. And this is uh pardon the, the kind of odd angle. This is a, before I uh, get back to the box score here, we talked about Joe Burrow. Check this graphic out. This is courtesy of NFL network. And on my own Twitter account at CJ Anthony CUI, here is a graphic from Joe Burrow here. You can see the first half, 8 of 12, 95 yards. Nice first half, zero, zero touchdowns, 90.6 um, rating. Look at the second half passing. Holy moly, 17 of 20 for 253 yards, two touchdowns, and 152.1 rating for Joe Burrow's second half. The Bengals were down 14 nothing, and he just took this game by its collar and said, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this thing. And there were, you know, other, the, the big screen pass play, I think they've been calling it a jailbreak screen to CJ Uzama. That's been talked about a lot in post-game interviews and whatnot. And uh, Joe Burrow said, you know, a lot of people said that Burrow audibled to that play. And that was the play that ultimately get got the Bengals in field goal range to win the game. So um, Burrow just really taking control of this game, a nice first half an incredible incredible second half and it's a graphic i thought was worth sharing with you all there let's keep going to the uh the box score here get back to that just to give you a few more stats and then we will get on out of here it is late for a lot of us again p ryan coming in late for the Bengals, three carries seven yards uh the the Jaguars thought that they could exploit something, and really they did. 
on the ground in the rushing attack against the Bengals. You see there 30 carries for 139 yards, the biggest output in the first four games by any team on the ground against the Bengals and three rushing touchdowns. Woo. Three rushing touchdowns, two by Robinson, one by Lawrence. So uh, Mixon did have the one rushing touchdown uh, in the second half as part of the comeback. Look at the receiving from both teams. Some really, really good games by some quality players there. You can see Tyler Boyd cracking the 100-yard mark with T. Higgins being out uh, and some other uh issues going on there but nine nine receptions 118 yards no touchdowns but man nine catches on 11 targets a solid solid game he was making catch after catch one across the middle was this incredible like one-handed snag thing he ended up coming off with a brief injury on that we'll have to monitor that but came back in the game later but man nice game by tyler boyd cj ozama as we mentioned five catches 95 yards two touchdowns, including the long 31-yarder on six targets, a career game for the tight end who was uh, coming back from the Achilles injury, another nice game, and another long catch by Jamar Chase, six catches, 77 yards. Didn't get the end zone into the end zone this week, but a 44-yarder this week. So you got to like that. Trent Irwin with a huge 25-yard catch along the sideline and what a throw by Joe Burrow putting it in only a spot that Irwin could get it while also staying in bounds. It was like a back shoulder throw. Great throw. Auden Tate with an 18 yarder also uh, was one of a couple of receivers that uh, on a big play that got forced a penalty against them. P Ryan getting a a 15 yard catch as well. Mixon having one catch, um, but no yards there. Mike uh, Mike Thomas, one catch, no yards there as well. And then we go transition over to the defense. Wilson all over the place, all over the place. Ten total tackles, a sack. Uh, the sack was kind of a, you know, Lawrence got flushed out of the pocket and he was kind of pursuing and ran out of bounds. Not really a true sack, but still uh, good game by Logan Wilson again. I, and you say that a little bit with knowing where the issues were on defense and whatnot, but he was making a couple of nice tackles and was in there on the big goal line stand there. Jermaine Pratt, same deal, eight total tackles, one for loss. Uh, Hubbard active again, six total tackles. Uh, You know, he got juked on one play that Lawrence got a, a first down there on a, on a read option play reader, six tackles, kind of a rough night from Vaughn bell, five total tackles, uh, you know, got flagged for a holding penalty on pass defense that ended up turning into a touchdown and, uh, got trucked right after uh, the, the holding penalty by, by James Robinson. So kind of a tough one there, Eli Apple, Trey Waynes, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, concerning from either of those uh apple left briefly with an injury and, and came back hilton was in there ogan joby another guy who left with an injury but uh returned davis gaither had a great pass breakup early in the game on a third down that was nice to see quiet night from bj hill who had been sacking the quarterback with regularity and that was kind of the the deal with the defensive line this week they just couldn't get trevor lawrence uh get a lot of pressure on him get him sacked um, that was kind of the kind of the tail of the tape there. 
and then here, here's where things get a little interesting on special teams. Darius Phillips, a rough night on on kick returns, punt returns, and there were a couple of there was one fair catch where you go uh, on, on a punt return where you go, Darius, what are you doing, man? Um, had a little bit of run uh, room to run. Had a long return on punts for 10 yards, a long return on kickoff returns for 24. He was back there on kickoff returns because the Bengals were relying on Brandon Wilson a bit more on defense because Jesse Bates was out. So, you know, you, you, you kind of take all of that into account. And, um, you know, Darius Phillips, not the best night from him from a special team standpoint. We'll, we'll see what they end up doing going forward here. I'm going to start with the – punting for the Bengals. Kevin Huber continues to be a solid uh, solid veteran punter. Three punts, 142 yards, uh, one of those being a touchback, unfortunately. Not his best night with zero landing in, in the 20, but you know there was a little bit of a field position battle there. He did have a 56-yarder that was his long. Now, I want to go to Evan McPherson. Of course, he kicked the great one of 35 yards to win the game late, and he had all three extra points. He had the miss, and and I wanted a 43-yarder, which he had already made a couple of those already this year. We knew he was not going to end with a 100% field goal percentage on the year. That's just not really realistic. What I was very curious about was how he was going to respond when he did miss a kick, when he did miss one of those big kicks. It had been three full games that he had not missed one or even an extra point. So 43-yarder at home, he misses it. And it was just one of those kind of avalanche effects where you kind of felt, oh, man, nothing's just really going right for the Bengals here. Even though that was early, you kind of felt like, oh, man, there's just not much going right for the Bengals here tonight. Is this going to be classic trap game? What are we feeling here? And what, lo and behold, what happens? They give the rookie, I think he's the youngest player on the team. I'd have to, I mean, I'd have to look at that. I know he's one of the youngest players on the team. They give him the shot to win the game on this very important evening, not only for the Bengals' current season, but just an emotional night for a lot of different reasons. The Ring of Honor, the 1981 AFC Championship team, everything. And what does he do? He goes in there and kicks the winning field goal, no doubter, to win the game as time expires. So those are the types of things I think that when I mentioned earlier that there are these questions potentially about the team quality of opponents that they've beaten and amount of points scored and all that stuff, you're going to hear, you're going to hear a lot of that stuff. It's not necessarily going to come. It's not really from me. I mean, I, I think about that stuff, but it's not really where I'm slamming the team for who they've played and who they've beaten and how much they've beaten them by because they're three and one, but when you're going to hear stuff from the Colin Cowherds of the world, undoubtedly folks on NFL network, undoubtedly the national media, CBS sports, these power rankings that come out weekly, you're going to hear this kind of stuff. And those are the questions you're going to kind of hear. But what I think we all need to cling to in terms of how we view this team after a month of play, the fortitude, the resiliency, the clutch factor and the clutch gene and who the Bengals have as their quarterback. I think all of those factors 
and, and if things keep trending in the direction that they've been going in, I think at that point you can kind of say, well, they're going to be in most every game. And I kind of said tongue in cheek when people, friends, people who listen to the show, all that kind of stuff undoubtedly always ask me, you know, how are the Bengals going to be this year? How are the Bengals going to be this year? And I kind of jokingly say, well, you know, they'll be pretty competitive, but if they're going to lose, they're going to lose fun, meaning they're going to score points and it's going to be close games usually. And that's kind of been the case so far. They're competitive and the only game they've lost, they lost by a field goal. So that's not to say I told you so. I just, I'm just telling you, this is how we should maybe, maybe be looking at this team so far right now competitive fun if they lose it's going to be a competitive loss which is not what we were able to say about this team in recent years whether it was under marvin lewis or zach taylor this is seems to be a different team and i got to tell you and i can be I, i very well could be proven wrong later this year but there were a couple of instances this year it really even in in Every single game where I had that, oh boy, I've seen this before. Oh boy, prime time. Here we go. Oh boy. I mean, go go back and read Twitter from God, I don't know, six hours ago, five hours ago, as we as we record this live. Go back and, and read some of the Bengals fan sentiments at that point. Go back and read about what the third and fourth quarter of the Steelers game, go back and read when the Bengals let the lead evaporate against Minnesota. It's very easy for all of us to get into this. Oh, here we go again. Here we go again. And and I, I'm guilty of it as well, but this team so far in a month of play has largely said, stop it politely. Stop thinking that way because that, is not what we're about. That's not what Joe Burrow's about. That's not what this locker room's about. They're they seem to be resilient. They seem to not have a lot of quit in them, and they seem to uh, I don't know. They seem to be winning the games they're supposed to win and and uh, taking care of the business they're supposed to taking supposed to be taking care of. And that that was the case tonight, and it was quite. A nice comeback win, not only for their 2021 season, but for the Ring of Honor inductees that were there on hand and the families that were there on hand, as well as the AFC Championship team from 1981. So there seems to be a little bit of a baton being passed potentially to Joe Burrow here and these Bengals. We'll see what they do with the rest of the season, but this this has been a really nice start to the season. They've got a tough stretch of games coming up, including next week hosting the Green Bay Packers, who had a rough week one but have really bounced back nicely in their, their next two games. So that's going to be a tough game. They've still got another one against Pittsburgh, two against Baltimore, two against Cleveland coming up. They've got the Chiefs down the pike. But I think we're starting to feel, you know, these games where we felt that this was so daunting and maybe the Bengals would get – swept by by their top division foes and all this kind of stuff we're starting to feel better about where they're at we're starting to feel like hey we let's not write this team off let's not write this team off and i think that's something even you know whether you're at the stadium itself and watching the Bengals or whether you're at home you know think back to some of these wins that we've seen so far in september and say hey let's 
let's not be so quick to jump down their throat and and uh, count them out because they obviously don't count themselves out. At least not what we've seen in, in September here. So, guys and gals, I am going to get out of here because it is very late. It's very late for you. I'm sure most of you do not reside on the, at least I don't think you reside on the West Coast time schedule that I do. And it's already late here. But I hope you've enjoyed this program. I hope you enjoyed the evening. If you were at the game, I am very envious of you. But I hope you had an excellent time this week at the game, before the game, after the game, all the stuff, uh, all the festivities. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And, uh, hey, we're, we're going to bring you a lot of different stuff coming up over the next week. We're going to take maybe a couple of days off here. It has been a slammed week. We, we tried to bring you a lot of content in a very short amount of time this week. We're going to bring you some more, obviously, as we do every single week. But, uh, hey, we're going we're gonna to savor this one like you all. In case you are new to this program, you can always find it, the Orange and Black Insider. That is one of the podcasts within the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major audio streamers, along with Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Coach Matt Minnick. Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim, who were on hand there at Paul Brown Stadium this weekend. Hopefully you met them and said hello. And, of course, our show, the Orange and Black Insider, all there. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please do so. Hit uh, the subscribe button, then the bell for notifications to be notified when we're live, when new content is available, and we'll keep bringing you all kinds of different post-game stuff and everything. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy this weekend and savor this win. Let's keep an eye on the AFC North to see what else uh, else happens here, but enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed this game here. We'll talk to you soon.